Ready, aim, fire, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to go? Ready, aim, fire? No. For Joe Biden, it's uh, ready, aim, and whenever you feel like it, that would be great. Joe Biden is really a preposterous president. Preposterous. I think that's the word. Utterly absurd and ridiculous, and that makes him dangerous. Now, he has completely opened our southern border, and now the whole world knows our skies are wide open as well. What China did, I believe, is a test to see what we would do, how we would do it, and no one is impressed. A total embarrassment. China, our enemy, just ate our breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a midnight snack, too. The Biden administration's explanation, well, uh, Trump had China balloons, too. Total lie, by the way. More on that in a little bit. Uh, anyway, a U.S. president, any U.S. president, has the constitutional responsibility to protect our borders. And you can look it up. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. Now, why blow off one of his key responsibilities? Does he not care? Is Joe Biden somehow compromised? Well, if you've been watching Joe closely, we do know some absolutes about him. He has no integrity. He is exceedingly dumb and he's greedy. He has a lust for real estate. According to him, he said this out loud, expensive clothes, fast cars, weirdo, high-end photography. And you can't get this stuff, by the way, on a government salary or royalties from a vice presidential memoir. You got to go shopping. And it looks like Joe Biden went shopping globally. Taking Hunter Biden to China. Here they are arriving in Beijing uh, and Joe meeting with Hunter's shady friends on that trip to China, remember this? Maybe you don't. Buried by the fake news. Whether I'm in New York or whether I'm in Washington, D.C., a friend and a business associate is in the hotel, and my dad's sitting there. Is it inappropriate for me to have coffee with them? Yes, and potentially illegal. His entanglements with China are deep, with uh, the rich people, with the spy community, and why is he there? He's there because of his old man. I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of the, literally, Dr. Patrick Coe, the spy chief of China, who started the company that my partner, who was worth $323 billion, founded, and is now missing. The richest man in the world is missing, who was my partner. He was missing since I last saw him in his $58 million apartment and signed a $4 billion deal to be build the largest LNG port in the world. So that's a lot of numbers and China and Hunter, and he's all emotional about it. Uh, he was worried about the heat, right, from the New York Times. Well, listen to the sense of relief in Joe Biden's voice when the story finally comes out. Hey, pal, it's Dad. It's 8.15 um, on uh, Wednesday night. If you get a chance, give me a call. Not, nothing urgent. Just want to talk to you. I thought the article, at least the thing on online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think it's clear. And uh, anyway, um, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. Joe Biden's almost always talking for the record. 
you know? It's an old trick of bureaucrats, you know, just in case anybody else is listening. Uh, I'm not alarmed here. I'm just checking in and uh, yeah, and uh, I love you, pal. But uh, if an article comes out in The New York Times and it's about you, hey, let's talk right away. That's how normal people would handle it. My impression. So when Joe Biden gets notification that a Chinese surveillance airship is over the continental United States, it's not a cut and dried situation. Uh, certainly not like this. He says uh, it was Easy peasy, right? Very simple. This is presidential decision-making 101. Order the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. As soon as possible, which was several more days. <laughs> so it could travel another 2,000 miles across our entire country before taking that shot. Yeah. Uh, take a look. There it goes all the way to South Carolina. And then, then you take the shot. Joe is probably not telling the truth. That's almost a certainty, okay? Uh, to allow that thing from China to cruise all across our country, well, I've always been confident that Joe is incompetent. And after Afghanistan, Joe, I am firmly convinced, does not know how to be commander-in-chief. Now, sometimes you follow the military's advice. Sometimes you say, get me more options. You guys are wrong. Uh, you got to do it this way, not your way. Instead, in a country we are suddenly, I don't know, consumed with safety, right? Weren't we founded by pioneers, people who kind of took a risk? But now it's all safety first. I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. It successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it, and we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. Mr. President, what did you say about China? He waited until after. Didn't say a word about this until after. Why not? And safety. It's all about safety. Safety, safety, safety. The president gave instructions to have it uh, handled, to have it shot down in a way that was safe. Obviously, the military's judgment was that it was much safer to do it over water. The two priorities uh, by the military and the Biden administration were to keep people safe and to only shoot it down when it was safest. And they did that as soon as it hit the coastline. Hey, you know. We had bigger problems than that balloon crashing into the ground, potentially. Blaine Holt is a retired general in the Air Force, a pilot, uh, one of the smartest men in America when it comes to national defense, and he's a Newsmax contributor. I'm much, much more concerned about the, the blind trust that we placed in this thing, not having an electromagnetic magnetic pulse capability, right. some sort of biological weapons on board, what were we thinking allowing this thing to come over our nuclear missile fields when we couldn't 100 percent assure ourselves of intent? We couldn't possibly know what was on board that thing and what the risk would be to our ability to defend ourselves. Well, that's a lot of stuff to be worried about, right? Could have been a general alarm issued or something like that. Stay indoors, go to the basement. There's a reason the Biden administration is not saying as to why this thing was not destroyed almost immediately after it came into our country. And they're not telling us. Instead, they're going back to their safe space, their favorite space. Trump. Trump is to blame. Biden is good. The Pentagon says that they know of the Chinese doing this at least four other times previously, once 
at the beginning of the Biden administration, three times during the Trump administration. Well, the Pentagon has since disclosed that it's apparently happened four times before. We should remember that this is now known to have happened under the Trump administration multiple times. And, and, and we're, we're also told, by the way, that, uh, that this happened three times under the previous president. Obviously, there were no public notifications there. Uh, this is uh, worse than spin. These are flat out lies total lies and all damage control to protect Joe Biden uh, for his ineptitude and incompetence. And a lot of people felt vulnerable last week. We could all understand what was happening. You could be in first grade in kindergarten and understand that a China balloon was floating over America and it did not belong there. Everyone was transfixed. America wanted leadership, craved leadership at that moment. Instead, we got this. There is no one more clear about what he stands for and who he fights for than our president, Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I'm Jill Biden's husband. I want to be real clear. She's a Philly girl. Oh, brother. She's not a Philly girl. What are they hooping and hollering all about, right? It's And why is he so happy? Why is he so blithe and carefree? Maybe because the balloon is not over his head. Now, a true leader would have been more concerned or at least faked it. The swamp and the fake news are giving him protection and all kinds of credit when he does not deserve any. And he followed the swamp playbook. Officially, he followed all the recommendations of the military. That's what you're supposed to do. Always listen to the men and women in uniform. The administration did what politicians usually say they want administrations to do. Uh, follow the advice. Of, of the Pentagon, of the generals, of the admirals. The important thing is here that the president acted decisively and responsibly. The White House is adamant that the president was listening to the advice of his military commanders who told him to wait. <laughs> um, is that good enough? Is that how it's supposed to work? Just listen to what they say? I don't know what the hell they said. I'm sorry. I mean, General Milley is the chief military advisor to the president. This guy. I want to understand white rage. And I'm white, and I want to understand it. Uh, here's the problem with a guy like Joe Biden. He doesn't know much. Never served in the military, and that's fine. Sometimes you're overly intimidated by people who served when you haven't served. That's wrong. Sometimes you're overly contemptuous if you've hung around the military a lot. Somewhat understandable, but it can get you in trouble as well. The military is not always right. You need political leadership, leadership to make the right call. Having served in the military, I know firsthand they can get it wrong. And having been alive in America, all of us know how badly they screwed up Iraq and Afghanistan. I think uh, that the development of the Afghan army is on a very good path right now. We, we've made tremendous strides, incredible progress in the last 20 months. The solid partnership has been the thing that has been really striking for me all around the country. It's fair to ask if we're winning in Afghanistan. I believe the answer is yes, and several facts allow me to say that with confidence. 
and we've seen some great, great uh, progress in some of the operations based even at the tactical level on the intelligence uh, structure. They showed me the positive changes they have helped bring about, the villages they can now enter, the, uh, the Afghan police and forces they are training and trying to improve. It was always the same record over and over and over again. Our troops, our sailors, our Marines, they were let down too often by military leadership and, yes, civilian leadership as well. Anyway, back to the balloon debacle, the fake news and the swamp continue to cover for Joe, but there are some cracks emerging. Leon Panetta, he was Secretary of Defense under Barack Obama, a big-time Democrat, and listen to him on the fake news. He is not impressed with Joe's handling of this. If we were aware of the balloon, uh, I think we should have taken steps uh, to prevent it from entering our airspace. Uh, and I'm not sure that we should have allowed it uh, to simply cross over the country, uh, cross over uh, what were obviously sensitive military sites. I, I, don't, I don't see the logic of that. Uh, neither do I. Neither do a lot of people. Good for you, Secretary Panetta. Although bad on you for signing that phony letter bailing out the uh, uh, Hunter and Joe Biden, saying the laptop was Russia disinformation. Yeah, you signed that letter, didn't you? Uh, but it's interesting. A guy like that who is bending over backwards to protect Biden is saying enough with this guy. I think that's very interesting. Anyway, they screwed this thing up in a million different ways. But they bring it back to Trump with a big assist from the fake news. Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, was speaking at a summit here earlier today. And he actually said the reason we know about this now is because from the very early days of the Biden administration, the president directed his national security team at the intelligence community to be more vigilant about Chinese espionage efforts, including those over American soil. Sullivan essentially saying that one reason why the Trump administration didn't know about these surveillance balloons that occurred during his administration was because they weren't looking for them, that this is all a result of President Biden, who has been very closely a student of the U.S.-China relationship for decades, especially in the ten, last 10 years since he first met with Xi Jinping. Is he there under duress? I mean, look at him. I mean, that is kind of hypnotic, right? He just said, what, did they hypnotize him? Did you hear what he said? Uh, Joe Biden was the one who said, look for the balloons. It was Joe Biden. They wouldn't have been looking for him. It wasn't for Joe Biden. Donald Trump, you needed the leadership of Joe Biden. They weren't looking for these things otherwise. 1959, I think we had NORAD set up, all right? <laughs> a listening post watching and waiting for bad guys, communists, coming into America. Here's what it looks like today. Uh, and if you don't recognize it, say, from a documentary, maybe you saw the movie with Matthew Broderick, War Games, huh? Remember he hacks into the Whopper? Uh, it's pretty cool. There's Ali Sheedy. Uh, great movie that still holds up. Take a look. I have seven. Correction, eight. That's eight redbirds, two degrees past apogee. Better get the old man down here. Over there, we have Soviet missile warning. Check for malfunction and report confident. Objective target area is low red regions, two five, two six. This is uh, pretty intense. They're, they're looking and waiting and watching, and when they notice something, they spring into action. 
But the fake news said today that this would not be happening if it wasn't for Joe Biden. Yes, he started all of this. He only started looking when he got to town. Give us all a break, please. We don't know the half of it. This is bad and it's going to get worse. I'll be right back. heard about the Grammys at this point, right? Uh, yeah, look, there's a lot to be offended by. I will say this, this performance, um, it didn't actually totally offend me. I didn't really understand it. It looked a little bit like the heat miser. Anybody remember the heat miser? I guess that was the arch enemy of Frosty the Snowman. Uh, so I didn't mind this so much. Uh, and he was wearing a cheap hat with devil's horns. I mean, we got a hockey team that has a devil motif. However, the song that he's singing, when I found out about it, and I actually took a look at the words, I wonder what Smokey Robinson was thinking. This poor guy. Take a look. And the Grammy goes to... Unholy, Sam Smith, and Kim Peckers. Yeah, the song is Unholy by Sam Smith and his uh, German partner, more on that person in a moment. Uh, so the video and the song, unholy. I mean, that's ungood, right? It's a terrible, it's a terrible song, a terrible theme. And I guess, I mean, I don't know. It's a married guy. He has all kinds of, um, I don't know, interests. You know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying, right? He And he goes and he acts on those interests and... It's part of the human condition, I guess. You know, humans do things that are human and all. But to be celebrated on primetime. Yes, that's what I was looking for. It should not be celebrated on primetime television, 9 o'clock on a, on a Sunday night. And we were talking about Smokey Robinson. What was Smokey thinking? Because Smokey Robinson seems like a very nice guy. And he's 83 years old. And from what I remember, he writes about love songs, right? He writes about beautiful love songs all the time. Well, he's changed his tune quite literally. His new album is called Gasm, short for orgasm. Uh, and uh, here are some of the songs on it. It's, uh, yeah, it's a new and unimproved Smokey Robinson. What else happened last night? Uh, it was really not about the music, everybody. It seemed to be more about genitalia uh, and the fanfare surrounding genitals and genital awareness or lack thereof. This is the individual who sang that song or performed it or whatever with uh, her friend in the devil costume. Sam graciously wanted me to accept this award because I'm the first uh, transgender woman to win this award. I just want to thank um, all the incredible transgender legends before me who kicked these doors open for me so I could be here tonight. My mother believed me that I was a girl and um, I wouldn't be here without her. I'm not so sure if she is what she's saying she is. I'm just, I don't know who this person is. I just listened to the speech. I do know that sooner or later people are going to be lying, pretending to be trans, pretending to be whatever because of the enhanced status and opportunities and privileges that go with it. That's the direction this is going. In fact, uh, Nissan, uh, the car company, right? I mean, they sell cars. They're quality Japanese cars. I've never actually owned one, but uh, they're very popular. And I guess they're reliable. What is this all about? 
Nissan has hired some of the brightest black music creators to work on some of our major campaigns. The mission, you ask? To continue to champion the next generation of black voices in music and tech. This year, Nissan's taking the mission even farther, making more lanes so that music creators like me can shine. The question is, are you ready? Uh, they make cars. What are they doing making music? And they are looking for uh, people of a certain race to help them in this totally unnecessary collaboration to make music for the car company. Um, you know, it's a competitive business for anybody. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. Why? It seems like an unfair advantage, doesn't it? And, oh, by the way... People of color are already beautifully represented in the entertainment industry, particularly the music industry. But, hey, uh, I get it. It's Black History Month, whatever. Uh, knock yourselves out, Nissan. Uh, I'm sure the mob will be satisfied with you and cut you some slack sooner or later. Uh, oh, did you see this? Uh, the UK Daily Mail is an amazing website, and they did this um, Story, Zombie Nation, the crippling drug crisis ravaging America's communities. Uh, they have great content, and they have 63 pictures in this special pictorial. I understand. They only let us use two, and I understand that. But what you see here is that guy is shooting up into his thigh. I actually saw somebody shooting up with an intravenous needle for the first time about a year ago on the subway. It is so shocking and so sad when you see it. And it's happening everywhere. We're in a full-on crisis. You know, back in the 1980s, we had a crack epidemic, right? Crack. Uh, really bad, cheap drug, a uh, crystallized form of cocaine. Did you know how many people thought that this was a conspiracy waged by the Central Intelligence Agency? Drug scourge is a conspiracy by whites, some blacks say. That story by Howard Kurtz in the Washington Post all the way back in 1989. And Howard, well, he reported it, and here's what people told him. Louis Farrakhan, still holds a lot of influence, told an overflow crowd at the D.C. Armory that the epidemic of drugs and violence in the black community stems from a calculated attempt by whites to foster black self-destruction. Uh, Farrakhan went on to become good friends with Barack Obama, by the way. Now, I don't believe that theory, but I do suspect that something very strange is happening right now as we legalize marijuana in the midst of an opioid fentanyl epidemic. And we're actually allowing people with criminal records to sell the marijuana. In fact, here in New York State, they're giving preferential treatment to those with a criminal record to sell the weed. It is the most bizarre, totally crazy scenario. It's in my book, by the way, if you don't mind. Uh, Justice for All, How the Woke Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. It's been out for about uh, three and a half weeks now. Available wherever books are sold. I think it's an important contribution to the foolish conversation that's happening, the foolish debate over race and law enforcement in America for your consideration. Uh, legalizing marijuana in this environment is the worst possible thing. And you know who understood that intuitively? Donald Trump. When he was running for president, unlike the other candidates, unlike Hillary Clinton, 
who actually attributes her loss in part to not speaking the way Donald Trump did. This is not about Russia collusion. This is about understanding people's problems and speaking powerfully about them. He was doing it in 2015, 2016. This is uh, this is what it's about. We've got to stop the drugs from pouring into our states. It's poisoning our youth and others. Our youth is being poisoned. People are being poisoned. You have the drug problem. Our cities are infested with drugs. Our youth is going. You should see New Hampshire has a heroin problem, the likes of which nobody can even understand. It's destroying our cities. It's destroying, most importantly, it's destroying our youth. Don't even mention the drug problems, the drugs that pour across the border. So many other problems. And that causes problems. Wow. You know what that is? That's empathy. <laughs> For a guy they said lacked empathy, that is empathy, being genuinely concerned about a problem that was ravaging America. And look at these polls. You know, the fake news says all the time Trump's finished. Oh, yeah, no way. Look at this. ABC Washington Post. How about that, huh? Anybody who's fair. And I'm not a big Chris Christie fan, but he actually had the most fair assessment I've heard in a long time uh, about Joe Biden's viability in 2024. This is yesterday on the Sunday shows. Well, we got to remember what the 2020 election was like. Joe Biden didn't barely have to leave his basement in Wilmington. He didn't have to campaign. But they you see <laughs> Joe Biden on Air Force One doing seven, eight campaign stops a day at 82 years old and being effective? Can you imagine how many gaffes there are going to be in those speeches? How many mistakes? How many outright falsehoods there'll be? Not because of any other reason. He's just making it up. Look, he's not... He is not capable of running a traditional American race. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. You see how uncomfortable the fake news gets. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know about that. They, uh, I, yeah, uh, please stop talking right now. Chris Christie, you nailed it for once. I'll be right back. European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact, carry, or full-size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. 
Newsmax continues to be blacked out in 13 million DirecTV subscriber homes. AT&T, which owns DirecTV, cut Newsmax's signal on January 24th. It was the second conservative channel AT&T DirecTV has deplatformed with OAN dropped last April. AT&T said the move was cost-cutting reasons, but DirecTV continues to carry 22 liberal news channels, all get paid fees, and most have much lower ratings than Newsmax. Now, Newsmax says it was targeted by DirecTV for its political views, as it's the only news channel not eligible for fees. But after getting more than 50,000 calls from angry customers, DirecTV posted a statement late last week to its website saying it's still interested in returning Newsmax to its systems, but claimed Newsmax wanted excessive fees in the tens of millions of dollars. Newsmax has been saying we are open to negotiations, but DirecTV has never changed its position. There are no negotiations taking place. Newsmax has responded that it never sought excessive fees, only about a dollar a subscriber per year. And the total cost, folks, it is not in the tens of millions of dollars. Newsmax also noted that DirecTV pays liberal channels hundreds of millions of dollars of customers' money, with CNN and MSNBC alone receiving close to 300 million dollars a year. And that is the latest. Bianca Della Garza. All right. So President Trump was on the Todd Starnes radio show. He's on our side. Mr. President, those numbers are huge in spite of the fact that uh, DirecTV, AT&T declaring war on conservative cable channels. Of course, you've been very vocal about what's been happening with Newsmax. Well, I think it's a disgrace. Newsmax has done a, a fantastic job. There's so many of the people in there, almost, almost all of them. I mean, if you if you look at just what a great job they've done, and it's a conservative voice. It's really a true conservative voice. And what Directv and that's AT and T did is, uh, I think it's deplorable. And we'll find, as as Hillary would say, I I hope it works out as well. That's a good word, but it it is a deplorable situation, and it shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed. Uh, and, you know, the, the other thing is Newsmax did very well in the ratings. So they took something off that was actually doing well in the ratings as opposed to other shows they have that don't. So this was done for political reasons. And uh, we're gonna, we, they're going to end up winning that. They're going to end up winning. So we'll see what happens. But Chris Ruddy and the rest of them, they're great people, and they deserve better. I can tell you that. Love it. Love it. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Good stuff. If you want to support us, uh, there are the phone numbers or go to IWantNewsmax.com. We're going to win this. Thank you. And we'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Policing in America, it's always been a tough job, a job where risking your life is actually part of the job. Um, it's always been tough, but generally speaking, it was admired. Society, revered cops, to some extent, yes. Sure, they could be there when times were tough and they arrest people and all that, but still, these were the good guys. Until, well, very recently. Uh, everything is upside down, and cops are seen as the enemy, as the symbol of white supremacy. It's totally and completely absurd, I do believe, um, but some people are pushing back. 
Uh, I think this is a wonderful way to push back. A new edition, a book called Walk the Blue Line. They Walk the Line Between Life and Death, a book by legendary author James Patterson, along with up-and-coming writer Matt Eversman, who happens to be a retired combat veteran of the Army. Uh, welcome to you both, gentlemen, and congratulations on the new book, uh, Walk the Blue Line. They Walk the Line Between Life and Death. Uh, James, first to you. Is it because of what's happening in our society? Is this the time you chose to write a book that really supports the cops? Uh, I think it's been going on for a while. And, you know, the book comes out today, Greg, and we've already heard from dozens of police who've read it already. And, and what they say is the same thing. Somebody finally told our story, our side of things, and they got it right. Because in a lot of cases now, all the only times the media wants to talk to police is when something goes wrong. And that's and that's just messed up. I understand if it bleeds, it leads. And, uh, you know, Matt, there was a time where people tried to support the cops like he went that way, officer. Uh, now they break out their cell phones and try to catch him uh, making a mistake. Um, you got a lot of stories in here from a lot of cops. Uh, tell us one that uh, perhaps is your favorite. Uh, you know, Greg, first, thanks for having us. But it's almost impossible because there's so many. We did 100 and change interviews and they all have good stories. But, uh, you know, to that point, um, there's a great story, right? Exactly what you just said. Danny Brown uh, stopping a drug deal, gets into a chase, follows this guy through a neighborhood, gets into uh, the mix with him. And lo and behold, the whole crowd of people in the neighborhood come not to help him or assist, but to take pictures and actually start taking a swing at him with two by fours and, and pipes. And uh, thankfully, yeah. uh, a, uh, you know, Greg, uh, we didn't set out to write an action novel here, but there's more action in this book than there is in five Alice Cross uh, novels. One woman, she just became a detective that week and she goes out on a, on a drug call and she's out by the car and she sees some strange activity in a garage. She goes into the garage. Two guys start shooting at her. She kills both of them and she gets shot 10 times. And within a couple of months, she's back on the job. And, and there's just stories like that, that kind of, you know, bravery and courage and and just what people have to just what you said when you set up the, the, the book, Greg, uh, what, what, what they have to deal with every day. You know, Matt was Matt was in heavy duty combat. He was the actual sergeant portrayed in, in the movie Black Hawk Down. So he's seen it. And, and Matt, how do you respond to you know, what you heard in terms of cops here? Sure. Yeah, well, you know, listen, they're, they're cut from the same cloth, Greg. I mean, they're they're mission focused. They're community centered and uh, they want to they want to right or wrong. And uh, they're they're not getting the support that they need. And so we, I think I would just throw out what we learned from this book is before you judge them, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Listen to the scenarios they're in and you can read legitimately, truthfully what they're doing in this book. How um, well, I want to show you what the media is saying about law enforcement. You've seen it, but this is kind of uh, instructive, illustrative and a little bit depressing all at the same time. Cut uh, 34, yeah. please need to protect themselves against uh, racist police officers. Modern policing, particularly in the South, and as you said, in certain parts of the Northeast, actually evolved out of the slave patrols. To understand American policing today is really to tell a story that comes out of slavery in the United States. The discriminatory and racist police 
system in America. The police have not actually slowed down their killings of people and black people in particular. And so this entire system is what needs to be put on trial. Uh, it needs to be put on trial. How much frustration uh, the police officers you spoke to, James and Matt, do they have about this current moment? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, well, listen, it's a tough and, and uh, as Jim would say, you know, nobody likes bad cops. Nobody hates bad cops more than good cops. And, uh, you know, we talk reform and we need reform, but it's got to be it's got to be equitable. We can't just reform cops and cops and cops. We've got community. We got to do community reform as well. And I think that's the frustration that I found in interviewing these, I think, very yeah. brave men and in women. The situation, we don't need to defund the cops. We need to put more money out there. Uh, uh, we really do. Uh, it's 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 not, you know, and uh, it, I mean, and they're beautiful. These are their words and their ideas. I mean, there was one uh, cop and and uh, the neighbor who was going, you you guys don't care about us. And, and, and what he said to them, he said, if I didn't care about you, why would I be out here in the freezing rain at four in the morning? <laughs> you know, and they do care. They do care for the most part. Walk the Blue Line. They walk the line between life and death by James Patterson and Matt Eversman. Uh, it's out today. It's very exciting, gentlemen. Uh, good we for you. We got a great quote from another Kelly, by the way, on this one. Say again there? <laughs> we got a great quote from another Kelly on this one, too. I noticed, actually. You got a nice blurb from Ray Kelly, uh, longest-serving police commissioner in New York City's history. And uh, if he likes it... Another well. great one, Greg. Indeed. Thank you both, gentlemen, very, very much. Good luck with the book. Available wherever books are sold. And we'll be right back. Uh, another State of the Union tomorrow featuring Joe Biden. I can't stand those things. Anyway, there will be a lot of lies tomorrow night. And uh, they've been anticipated and pre-documented by our next guest, Stephen Moore, the great economist, uh, former senior economic advisor to Donald Trump. He had a great piece over the weekend. Six lies Biden will tell in his State of the Union. And they're all listed. And let's start with number one. Number one, Biden will say that he has reduced the budget deficit by $1.4 trillion. Um, first of all, Stephen, welcome. And uh, I can't believe this. A politician, Joe Biden, telling lies. Who'd have thunk it? I can't believe it. <laughs> well, Greg, great to be with you. By the way, you can then do the scorecard tomorrow night and find out whether I got them right. You know, so I'm anticipating. These are things that Joe Biden has said in the last couple of weeks that I highly anticipate will be in the in the State of the Union. And the first one, as you just said, is this uh, fabrication of the truth that he has reduced the deficit by $1.4 trillion. You've probably heard him say that many times in the last number of weeks. And what he's doing there, I mean, Greg, this is really creative accounting. He took the deficit to $2.8 trillion, an all-time high in 2021. And then last year, we only, only increased the deficit by $1.4 trillion. So $4 trillion in two years of, de of uh, deficits. And so he's saying, I reduced the deficit from 2.8 to 1.4, so that's a $1.4 trillion reduction. That'd be like, Greg, if you put 40 pounds on this year, and then the next year you only put on 30 pounds, you said, well, I actually reduced my weight by 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go through a couple of others. Uh, actually, do me a favor. I want to hear how Joe characterized inflation both when he got to office and what's happening now. This is just on Friday while he was ignoring the balloon, by the way. Go ahead and roll that, please. 
I take any blame for inflation, Mr. President? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. That's why I don't. That, that one statement combines two lies, it looks like, in your piece. Number two and number three, he inherited an economy in a free fall and inflation was high when Biden entered office. And oh, by the way, he happened to be really nasty about it. I mean, really, like, how dare you ask me? Anyway, uh, those are the two, correct? Yeah, I'm sure that the people in the White House kind of went like this when they heard Joe Biden say that because they're such documentable lies. So the uh, inflation rate was what I think you're viewers know this, the inflation rate was 1.4% the month that uh, Joe Biden took office, 1.4%. So that, and then he took it in 18 months, um, Greg, from 1.4% to 9.1%. He's going to blame that on Trump? Come on. And I'm sure he's going to try to say that again, I've reduced inflation. Now it's come down to 6.5%, but that's still one of the highest rates in 40 years. And then the other one about inheriting an economic crisis is crazy. In fact, in the second half of 2020, as we were coming out of COVID, thanks to uh, Trump's policies, we actually grew by about 20 percent in the second half of the year. The economy was getting ready for a boom. And don't forget, one week after the election was the announcement of the vaccine, which, by, by the way, was a result of Operation Warp Speed, another thing that Trump did. So the point is, the economy should be booming today, and it sure ain't. Uh, we only have, Let's do one more. Uh, number four on your list, Biden has brought down gas prices. Now, wait a second. Is he really going to is he really going to try that one? Yeah, I think he will. I think I feel pretty confident he's going to say that. And here's the math again on this one, Greg. So uh, when Trump left office, the gas price was roughly two dollars and 50 cents a gallon nationwide. It Remember, it soared to over five dollar a gallon under uh, Biden. And now it's down to three fifty a gallon. So he's going to say, look, I'm bringing I'm bringing the gas price down when Greg is still over a dollar a gallon higher than when he took office. All right, Stephen Moore, we'll do it like the Oscars. We'll all have our little uh, sheets. I would love it if all six came right. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to make it through the entire speech anyway. He's uh, oh, right. final line of that piece is what what Sarah Huckabee Sanders should say is in her rebuttal is liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, I think she she's not in fourth grade. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we got to do better than that. Uh, but uh, there are all kinds of ways we can call Joe a big, fat liar, liar, pants on fire. All right, Steve Moore, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. And we'll be right yep. back. Do you support free speech? Sure you do. And thank you for supporting Newsbacks in our fight with uh, DirecTV and AT&T. What they did, deplatforming us, trying to cancel us. They can't, they won't be successful. Uh, but look, we feel great about what's happening actually. All your support and members of Congress on Capitol Hill. You can call these numbers, let them know how you feel. You can cancel AT&T if you want. Or go to IWantNewsmax.com. We'll keep you posted. There are various initiatives you can participate in. What they did, unconscionable, deplorable, as Donald Trump said. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up soon.